0: A leaf from some of um, Joe Boot's quote that I'm the exception this weekend. I hope that I don't have a PowerPoints because all my points are PowerPoints. <laughs> <laughs> you remember that Joe? yeah? <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, but it is good I. First, I want to say a big thank you for all of you for being here. Because the change that we seek for this nation, we have to be that change. It starts with us. And often I say to people in equipping for the work of ministry, if something vexes you so much, maybe what the Lord is saying is you are the answer to what vexes you. Rather than sit there and complain about it, Do something about it. And that's why we try to gather in ways like this. And you're meant to be here, that's why you're here. For a child of God, I struggle to believe that anything in our life is a coincidence. I believe it's a God incident. Um, Because of our own, we can do nothing. In the midst of all that we do and the business of our work, I try to find time to say, Lord, okay, what do I have to say when I get here? Because I like to hear him before I speak. And as I pondered over it, I thank him for something he told me about, I think, my first year in full-time ministry. It was about almost 31 years ago. He said, you have so close experience with me, I take you into levels that many will not go, and I give you gift of the word. He said, but you don't document it well. You're not writing it down. He said, from now, every time I give you a word, prepare it well and store it well. One of the best things I ever did, because down the years, even when there were no laptops, iPads and all of that, I will always take time and document well anything God says. By the time the ministry took me to another level, I was so grateful because... Many times, I'm called to speak without being prepared. And you dare not go out there and speak without hearing God. So all that time of intimacy with God, when God says, don't dare be busy for me without being busy with me, that means He starts so much in and well documented that there's hardly a topic you will call, I'm ready to go. But the best of it was not so much that I have that was always because it is well-prepared and in today's world I can carry it easily in a stick or in a passport or in an iPad and I'm good. And I went to our church in Montge Jolie in Paris, a very high, strongly Muslim area and typical of them, they only prepared me to speak to four audiences over three days. But when I got there, I spoke to 10 audiences, 10 different messages and some of them, I didn't even know I was the one speaking, I'm just about to get up, and they said, "We now welcome Pastor Adi to speak." And within seconds, I need to say, "Lord, what do you have for them?" And He has never disappointed me. That's why I said, "Prepare and be ready." You know, in their case, there a church uh, uh, for kilometers, no other evangelical church, but 500 members, 27 nations, and there's a fight all the time. We had to buy a supermarket and convert it into a school and a private Christian uh, to a church and also a private Christian school. I say all of that to say. We need to be ready and prepared. And so I pondered over this. The Lord said, well, they've asked you to speak on purity, but I want you to speak the message I gave you years back when you were asked at the World Congress of Family to speak on purity and abstinence. I had forgotten about it. If I went and said, you remember the message? I said, I don't. And he said, go look for that message, and that's what you will minister. So I went into my archives and went to look at what I spoke there, and the title was Purity and Abstinence. And I said, in fact, when I read through it, I said, thank you, Lord, for making that easy. But I want to start with this. And I'm just going to read to you what I presented there. But before that, I think I hinted a bit on a preamble when I spoke about James 4-7, about submitting to God yourselves so that when you resist the devil, he will flee from you. And I just want to Re-emphasize that as we start because you've had so much during the time here. Behind every one of these sexual vices or their kind, there is a spirit. And submission to God is paramount. You can start with all the practical stuff you have to do and they're important. But your resources, even as you develop it, and must always be submitted to the source. If God is not winning for you, you are not winning. You are not winning. Talk about being practical. Talk about being logistical. I'm a social entrepreneur. I've set up over 100 social action projects in the last 27 years in this country and outside. I know what it is to feel the pain of people and then go and set up Projects or initiatives that minister to it. But I've learned that with all of it, if it's empty of Christ, it's crisis. I got tired of feeding bellies and sending them to hell. Yes, they are hungry, I'm feeding them, I'm giving that to them. Then they die, but they don't have Christ. And that was what the Lord was saying to me. Develop the resource, but always connect to me the source. To ensure that those souls end up with me. And those were one of my battles with the, with the government in the early days here, when they would call me for advice, and then they would ask me to leave my faith at the door. You know, we had, we had good fights. Um, and one of my fights actually was with Boris, <laughs> and then we became friends before but there was a fight. And in that fight, I remember telling him, you'll be the next mayor. I said, they think you're a joke, but you're the next mayor. And when you become mayor, I'm going to bring you to a prayer meeting at the Millwall Stadium and I'll be the first person to pray for you. And I looked at me then and said, what is it? And I said, I'm telling you, they think you're a joke, but you're the next mayor. And I said, I'm going to go for that. You'll become prime minister, but you will almost lose it, but you'll be prime minister. He looked at me. That was just about a year before he was mayor. And indeed when he became mayor, I brought him to Millwall Stadium, first outing and we prayed for him. And exactly. What is happening now and what you see happening with him? I also, I know I'm one of those that prayed that election. Exactly what I asked for in that election is what happened. I'm trying to say something to you, friends. The things we're trying to deal with here, we have the power and the authority of God to step out and declare over communities and and nations and principalities and powers and they have no choice but to bow. The thing is that some of them don't bow immediately. Some of them bow over time. But you must continue to have the confidence that you are the vessels that God's authority backs when you step into territories. That's why before he said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, what was the first thing he said? He told you about the authority he has that backs you and then he asked you to step out there. Because the things we're trying to confront they are bullies and if you lack the confidence in who the source they will overcome you and i want to beg you please if you don't have a prayer life if you don't have an intimate relationship with god if you don't know how to spend time in god's presence and in the word you will need it because there is a hearing of god that precedes the speaking of god Otherwise, your ministration to any situation will just be plausible and eloquent, but lacks power and the spirit. And that's why Paul says, "Uh uh-uh, my preaching is not about eloquence and plausible words. Nothing wrong with it, but the demonstration of what? Power and the spirit. That's why it didn't matter that Moses wasn't eloquent. It didn't matter that he stammered. It didn't matter that he had a crooked stick. But because God was with him, there was power and the spirit. And these are giants before us, but they also bow before us. And I tell you something, in that place of intimacy with God, when you've seen the size of God, the size of the devil becomes manageable. Because when you want to see him, he will reveal himself. And that's why I'm not faced by the challenges of today, because he warned us they will happen. But what he asks us is to be prepared to contribute our own quota. And at times you might think we're failing. We're not actually failing. We're just being obedient. Some of us are like Ezekiel who felt, what's the point? Even you who sent me to them already told me they will not listen. So why are you asking me to go? And God said, if you don't, their blood will be on your neck. I'm encouraging you to say at times what you're doing might not look like what you would like to see. But what is important is obedience to God. Do your bit. And one of the greatest things that happens with this whole matter about sexual impurities, what I call confusion. The greatest ingredient, the most potent ingredient of deception is confusion. Just like in the Garden of Eden, I will confuse you. That you will know what is right from what is wrong. I will put you in a place that right becomes wrong, wrong becomes right. It's confusion. And the truth about confusion is that confusion is a con that fuses your mind. It's a lie that has grabbed your mind. And the only thing that diffuses it is truth. And so you must let help people in this situation find truth. Because the Bible says it's the knowledge of truth that really what? Sets free. But many are times as well, it's also the fear. Abstinence, for example. Ah, if I say that, people, it's not popular anymore. Oh, if I go and do that, what if I fail? What if it doesn't work? The fear of failure stops some of us of stepping out to do what we have to do about this issue. The fear, what if it fails? What if what we provide does not work? I've got good news for you, friends. The success you seek with dealing with this issue is not, there's no shortcut to it because it's deep. And by the way, if you ever Seek a shortcut to success. You cut your success short. Don't do it. Or we'll just find a quick way, an instant way, instant coffee, instant tea, instant bread, instant whatever. A world of instant. Stop it. God is not about that. His only instant is a miracle. And if it's not a miracle, then it's a process. So whatever you're going to take as a solution to this, it might not be a miracle, it might be a process, but stay with it. And stop being afraid. What if it doesn't work? Listen, you must master failure to master success. You must know how to be confident to say, if I get it wrong, I'm putting my hands up, but I'm going to keep going. And stop being afraid of that. I've gone to too many churches. Why they're not doing things is the fear of failure. What if it doesn't work? And the people that we'll bring, like we had earlier on, that we're helping, I beseech you friends if God is not their midwife he will never be their undertaker they must be born again just like you and I don't ask God to welcome you when you're dead when you didn't allow him to be the midwife to be to deliver you as a new birth he just doesn't do it i go to some funerals and i'm thinking them they're saying oh He's gone to heaven. Which heaven? Which heaven? He only receives those that he births. He's not going to be that undertaker there. He's going to be there to be your undertaker if he's the one that gave you new birth. And you must please stand with that. Let me read this to you. You cannot talk about family without touching on purity. Because the lifeline of any family is based on these things I'm about to share with you. The first of the lifeline of any family is this. Purity of relationships. Purity of relationships. Purity of relationships within the family. Either between parents Parents and children and siblings. In other words, the purity of the marriage. The problem starts because most relationships, there's no purity in it. Even between children, parents, whatever it is, siblings, and problem starts. And First Timothy 5, 1-4, some of it says this. See the elder women as mothers, the elder men fathers, young men, young women and men as sisters. A brethren with all purity and honor. In Galatians 5 13 it says, For brethren, you have been called into liberty, only use not the liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. And in Hebrews 13:4, it says, Marriage is honorable, kept pure, in all and the bed undefiled, that means kept pure again. In First Timothy 4.12, it says, Let no man despise your youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. In Titus 2.1-15, some of it says this, It teaches on sound doctrine with focus on relationship and character. In verse 4, it says, redeems us from all iniquity and purifies us unto himself, a peculiar people, zealous of good work. Purity of relationship. A lot of people who are fallen victim of what we talk about today is a breakdown of relationships. Between siblings, or even parents and children, or children and children. I know those that the reason they have ended up where they are is because they were abused by their own older siblings or an uncle or an auntie, a breakdown in relationship, what they saw happen at home. Purity of relationship, we must encourage it. Let fathers be fathers and mothers be mothers and let children be children. Don't give the role of parents to children and that of children to parents. Don't do it. Let them understand the pureness and sacredness of God defining what a father is and a man is and a husband is and what a wife is and a woman is and a daughter is and what children are. Don't confuse them. Appreciate each rule and promote it in your families. Otherwise, there will be confusion. The other thing that is key is purity of life. The ability and beauty of procreation within marriage is the unique gift by which we naturally populate families. So whether it's the beginning of life, birth, or the end of life, death, it's true that life which is pure produces healthy families. If we destroy life at birth, at will, and treat it with levity, and sim- similarly disrespect life at death. By making it seemingly convenient to take life, we simply complicate marriage and implicate families. We contaminate something so pure, simple, and sensible, and clothe it with good arguments, I call it destructive deception, that promotes family without purity, without moral boundaries, all in the name of human rights and scientific development. And we bring that into the family. Our kids can sleep around as they like, get each other pregnant, and then you tell them, it's okay, just go and abort it. They disrespect life at birth. We also promote, oh, it doesn't matter if she's not feeling well. We can just ask them to switch off the machine. The purity of life is gone, even in the family. We're going to have this kind of problems the purity of procreation, if we don't promote it, this is what's going to happen. If we don't talk to our young people and the family about the beauty of what God has gifted us, about intercourse, about intimacy, about sex. Sex and intimacy and intercourse of its own is not bad. There's not a problem with it. The problem is we who are beneficiaries of it. How much do you sit your family down and promote those things? I've gone to some families, they will say, please don't talk about abortion in our home. And it's a Christian home. They think because somebody's done it before and is guilty of it, they don't want to talk about it. The more reason you talk about it. Some churches will not invite us because they will never want you to talk about those topics. Because many people in their churches are doing it and they don't want to be reprimanded. It starts from the home. The purity of life. It pains me, in my own community, that majority of the young people that are dying to gun and knife crime, have you watched the statistics, most of them come from broken families, relationships broken, no morality, no respect for life, and that's why you can go out and take a knife and stab another young man like yourself so many times in the right places to ensure they die, and they walk away from it, and they feel no remorse. That young person has not been taught the purity of life. If he has, it's difficult to go and do that. I ask some young people, and I say to them, why would you do this to your sisters in the black community? You're asking people to respect your your mother, your sister's, your girlfriend, but do you respect them? He said, what do I mean? I said, you're not married, young man, and I know you are so sexually exhausted by sleeping with not only this sister of yours that you call a sister, and you're probably sleeping with another sister while you're with her, her, and you think it's okay. Tell me what respect you have for her. I I said, what do you do then if she gets pregnant? Oh, come on, pastor. She can always abort it. That's what it, that's what, so, so confidently, no, she can just go and abort it. And my heart sinks because the way they say it. I said, okay, let's hold on a bit." What if she doesn't want to sleep with you? I will force her to sleep with me. He tells me. Where is the purity of life there? That if pregnancy comes, they're saying, we'll just kill it. We must promote these things a lot more in our families. The purity of life. The purity of marriage. For in Jeremiah 1.5 it says, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Psalm 139 it says, For you created my innermost being, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. They need to hear that. To know how special they are. We're talking about purity. While we're talking about it from a the sexuality point of view i'm taking you back to some of the root causes before it becomes that because when you don't respect the purity of relationship and the purity of life you're going to mess things up and then the third thing is abstinence abstinence can only truly be promoted and realized within pure and healthy families In other words, within pure relationships, where the purity and appreciation of life at all stages is protected and respected. I will be scared to take a young woman or anybody and have reckless intercourse with them because what if she gets pregnant or something happens? Or what if that now turns her life upside down? And she cannot do this because I've seen young people, we've sent them to university while they're in the second year, they're pregnant because they've not abstained. And so I'm going to educate my young people about the consequences of irresponsible sexual activity and life. We now focus more on prevention, not prevention, you know, managing situations rather than abstinence. Even the legalization of abstinence from sex and sexual immorality amongst the youths is not capable of ensuring the same is best achieved within a family structure that is pure and healthy. If we as adults within our families do not lead by example, what do we expect of our young ones who look up to us for guidance? Abstinence amongst People, particularly young people in certain countries, has become something of a taboo, something to be ashamed of, and almost abnormal. In my country, in Nigeria, it grieves me that in our universities we see our young girls, and that's what I'm referring to, make those girls in the university who are virgins look like something is wrong with them. and those girls actually feel like that because they are not sexually active like them, they think abstinence is a taboo, is a bad thing. In our century, leader, in, our, in this century, we as leaders, it's of utmost importance that we put the purity of the family, that is relationship and life, at the forefront of our campaign and advocacy if we are to realize the kind of morality that we seek amongst our families, young people and our communities. Majority of our young people, even adults included, included, are negatively engaged because they lack identity, going back to earlier on, care and love, which are found within pure and healthy relationships. I was once held at gunpoint by three young young people in London and I related to them on these three aspects of life as mentioned above and they returned the money they took from me within a minute. Our youths are not as bad as we think they are. They are simply looking for identity, care and love which sadly is increasingly missing within families. You probably heard that story before. I could have been dead. And in the moment when it was happening, it's like somebody shot you. You don't realize until minutes later, you realize you're bleeding. It was after that, while they were holding me at gunpoint, it was like my whole head was just speaking relationship, love. And I said to them, I'm your father. Three of them, broad daylight. You know they've killed before, not more than 16 to 18. Two black boys, one Asian. They don't know me. They don't have to know me. And I said, you really? Need something for me? And as your father, you think you have to hold me at gunpoint? I said, is that, is that bad? Is that, is that how much we have failed you? And then looking like me at like, what the heck is he talking about? <laughs> and I meant it. And I said, what do you want, really? You want money from me? You want clothes? Food? What do you want? I said, listen, i got 250 pounds here. Here is it. You three of you go and share it. Oh, no, 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 no. But we want more. I said, no, no, no. You don't want more. Here is my card. I'm not even upset with you. I'm upset with me. Have we failed you so much that 16, 17, 18, you're carrying a gun in broad daylight to ask a father figure for what you need? I said, come on, put my briefcase down. By now, they've taken my briefcase. Put it back, man. I've given you my card. Call me anytime. Take the money. And they left. And less than a minute, they came back and said, we can't take it. And they gave me back the money. Some of you have read it on ITV and BBC and whatever. Even up to today, they tell me that ITV still charges 150 for the two-minute two clip. I'm the one that faced the gun. I'm not getting any money for it. <laughs> but what am I saying to you? You had to speak to something deeper about their relationship, their passing, about ownership, belonging, care. And what could have denied me, denied my wife and my three kids me, At that moment, you had to think deeper. And it still spoke to a twisted mind that you made them feel loved, belonged, and cared for. The last thing I have here in that talk was the mind. Purity of relationship, purity of life, abstinence, and the last thing was the mind. The mind has a great influence on what we do. What we feed the mind determines a lot of our actions. It's the purity of the mind that cultivates the ability to abstain. Parents play a major role in shaping what is fed into a child's mind and subsequently what guides the mind of the child into adulthood. As a result, the child grows up to be what is fed into their mind and that's why I like to use the word G-Y-M, Gym, guide your mind because the Bible stipulates, as a man thinks, so he is. The family that feeds his mind on good morals, respect, discipline, true love, is more likely to promote and achieve abstinence. The will to embrace purity and abstinence is best achieved through purity of relationships and in the confines of a balanced family structure. The energy with which we promote abstinence must far outweigh that with which we promote protected sex. The failure of our young people is our failure as parents being their guiding hand. And as a result, that guiding hand is consistently being taken away by the government, the law and the media. We now have a lot of unauthorized teachers and influencers who willfully inform the minds of our children and youths through unregulated mediums and legalistic silly kwangus. They set them up, call them fancy names, and they use it to pollute our children. And what do we do about it? They Introduce them in our schools with fancy names. And what do we do about it? The child that will go to school, like the two young kids we have in the legal center, and speak out against transgender is based on what they have been fed in their mind at home. It's with that confidence they were able to go to school, even at, young, and at a young age, and challenge the darkness. Who feeds the minds of your young people and yourself? What do you feed your mind with? Well. The heart of this matter is at the heart of the family. We do well to promote purity at the heart of the family if we are to see purity and even abstinence from sex prevail amongst our families, young people, and preserved for healthy relationships within marriage. The truth is, majority of us, even our young people, particularly our young people, become so sexually active at a very young age. By the time they decide to get married, they are sexually exhausted. We know this exhaustion accounts for a considerable amount of divorce and family breakdowns. The preservation of family in its purest form, the preservation of family in its purest form, is a necessity for the fostering of purity that we seek and the abstinence. Friends, you mustn't leave here after these two days and say, it's just going to be business as usual. What I'm asking is, if you're already doing something, continue to do it and seek to do more. If you have not been doing something, find something to do. And if you cannot do it on your own, partner with somebody. But to give an excuse that there's nothing I can do, I don't accept. There's somebody around you this day, this season that needs you. For Romans 8:19 says, "And creation waits with eager what expectation for us to be revealed." You are a seed that God sowed. And the seed that you are will not always look like the fruit you produce. And even the tree that comes out of you, the seed, and produces that fruit. And I'm talking about the apple seed does not look like the apple. Neither does it look like the tree. But the tree and the apple came from the seed. And the apple tree does not eat the apple it produces. Somebody else eats the apple. What's that telling you? The seed that you are and the tree that comes out of you and brings fruit is not for you, it's for someone else. And if you thought that you had all these blessings and all this fruit coming out of you for yourself, I've got good news for you, it's not for you. God help you. Don't even try to return to God with all those fruits. And you did not deliver it to the people that God sent you to give it to. If you thought the banks were the most vicious when it comes to ROI, return on investment, wait until you meet God. He's waiting for every single one of us for what he invested in us. He's waiting for the return on his investment. Oh, you saw him, what he did in the parable. Okay, I gave you five, I gave you 10, I gave you whatever. When I come back, I don't care what you think you better come and double it and increase it. So please, with all that you've had today, someone needs you to take it to them. And that might just be the saving grace. And don't worry too much. Like Mike said earlier on, if your role in that person's life is where what you do, is that therapeutic, practical, physical stop, whatever that is necessary, you've done your bit. Somebody else down the line will speak another thing into their lives. Another person will speak something else. And then one day, they will meet an evangelist. That when they think of all the things that people have done and said to them, then that evangelist is the one that leads them to Christ. But each one of us have played a part before that person got to that place where they surrender to Christ. you think you heard Keith earlier on? Did you realize how many people at different points that spoke into his life? But one day he ended up in a place whereby he totally surrendered and led to the Lord, but there were many people who contributed. Please play your part. My promotion of purity is that. You have a part to play and stop hiding, stop giving excuses. Just do your bit. Don't try to be like me, or like Andrea, or like Joe, or like anyone. All God is asking, be the person that I've asked you to be, and do your bit. And don't be ashamed of it. They will mock you, they will laugh at you, but rejoice that you have been afflicted for Christ. This issue is an issue, like the book that was promoted, it's a new normal. And when you bring what is the true normal, you look like the bad person. But continue to, pro- produ- continue to preach and manifest that true normal. And no matter what they say, set your face like a flint and do it. And stop complaining about what you have to go through, about the pain you have to go through. It's part of it. And uh, maybe people like Andrea, who's a prolific uh, marathon person, will let you know that no pain, no gain. Is that what they say? Exactly. Is that Yeah, yes, exactly. So if you want the gain, it's going to be a painful process. And be ready to go through it. God bless you.